We're continuing our series called Your Supersized Life. And uh, what I want to get the point across over these weeks is this. God has so much more for your life than just making it through today. You know, you probably rolled out of bed this morning and... uh, Um, thought about all the things that you need to do, maybe this week that lies ahead of you, maybe uh, some of the projects, maybe some work, maybe, who knows. But uh, I'd venture to say that that thought has entered your mind at some point. All I need to do is get through this day. Well, God has so much more, so much more for your life than just getting through today getting through tomorrow, getting through this week, just surviving, uh, still standing. And that's what uh, uh, we're going to continue to look at. Well, today I want us to uh, look at this idea of the power of God working in us and through us. God's power. You've got the power. There was a guy who uh, was doing some weekend work, maybe this was you yesterday, uh, trimming some trees, and he felt he needed a little extra firepower, so he went up to the uh, local hardware store and bought a chainsaw. Just going to cut down some trees, uh, make the yard look nice and, and uh, cleaned up for the, the spring and for the summer. So he went and bought a chainsaw, took it home, and... Uh, Salesman was, uh, was pretty happy with the sale and sold him a really good chainsaw. But he was surprised the very next day this guy comes back and he says, uh, sir, this, this chainsaw just isn't working. And the salesman says, what do you, what do you mean the chainsaw is not working? He says, well, I took it home and I worked, on it, I worked on my yard for an entire day and all I got was one tree chopped down. Salesman's like, well, that's kind of interesting. Well, there must be something wrong with the chainsaw. So he took that one as an exchange and gave him a new one and said, I'm so sorry that the chainsaw didn't work the way it should, but this is a quality piece of machinery. Uh, Take this one and send him home with the the second chainsaw. Well, the guy goes home and very next day comes back into the store and and he's frustrated. He says, I don't know what it is. This this chainsaw is junk. It's a piece of junk. I I worked all day long and once again, I just got one tree cut down. The salesman's like, boy, that's that's just so odd. He says, let me me just look at that for a bit and looked in and made sure there was gas and and so he primed it and he pulled the the cord a couple times and all of a sudden, the thing just starts up. Run, 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 run. The guy who bought the chainsaw goes, whoa, what's that sound? (laughs) Oftentimes, things don't work. But it's not because they don't have power. It's in the delivery of that power. Let me say that again. Sometimes things don't work, but it is in the delivery of the power. And that's what I want us to look at today. Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 7, Paul says this to the church of Ephesus. He says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Jump down to verse 14. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations now and forevermore. Amen. Now, I like fireworks. Fourth of July, New Year's, we love to go and get those, those torpedoes that you send up into, uh, into outer space, or so it seems. But those things are powerful. You get them, you, you put them in a tube, well, you light them and you put them in a tube and you run. You, know, you don't want to be this close to it when it goes off. But have you ever lit one of those and dropped it in the tube and run over, you know, behind the uh, brick wall or something and it just fizzles out? Sometimes there are duds. Sometimes those fireworks don't fire off. But sometimes... Most of the time, what happens? You light that fuse, it goes down in there, and it explodes. Something happens. There's light, there's action, there's heat, there's sound. That thing explodes. There is something amazing that takes place. Well, here Paul is using this word power over and over, four times in this short span. And this, it's a prayer that he has over this church in Ephesus. And he uses this word power four times. It's the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our English word dynamite from. He's saying this power that is at work in you. And so today I want us to look at four ways that God wants this power working in you and through you. Four ways that, that, that God's power is effective in our lives. The first one, he says, is God's power to transform. God's power to transform. You know, Paul was, was super transparent with his life. You know, some of us, we try to downplay, uh, you know, where we've been, where we've come from. We don't want, you know, to, to talk too much about where we've been. Paul, he could be super embarrassed of his, his previous life, but, but he, he goes, this is who I am. And I'm telling you this because God has done an incredible work in my life. God has transformed and changed me over and over and over through his writings. He says, this is who I once was, but now through Christ, this is who I've become. You see, he was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was a religious zealot. He was a religious, uh, pious person. And he was given an official duty to persecute those who followed Christ, to hunt them down, to silence them, and even kill them. He says, I used to be a prominent person. I, I, I used to be served People would bow down to me. They'd, they'd tremble when I would walk in because I was just that powerful. He says, at my command, people could either live or die. This is the life that I lived. But he says now, in, in Ephesians 3, 7, he says, but now I've become a servant. 
This is who I am now. And he says it's through the working of his great power, God's great power at work in me. This transformation has taken place. He says this isn't something that I could conjure up on my own. This isn't my ability. This is God's ability in me to bring substance, to bring value, to bring worth. It's like a diamond. You all know how a diamond is formed. You have organic matter that's in the, in the depths of the earth and it's, it's subjected to, to pressure and heat and this force on it over and over, over time. It's the power that is at work in the depths of the earth that bring about change. In the same way, Paul here is saying it is, this is the power of God at work that brings about change in a person's life. It's the power of God at work in you that brings change. It's the power of God at work in me that brings about change. Power, God's power to transform. Second thing Paul talks about here is God's power to strengthen. So God gives us his power through his Holy Spirit to to transform us, but God also works in us and through us to bring strength. Look at verse 16. Paul says, I pray that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I want you to notice right away, it's, it's not strength that would typically come to your mind or my mind. It's, it's not the typical strength that we would think about if we were to look at somebody and say, that's a strong person. I, I grew up with two older brothers and uh, they loved to beat me up. Uh, they they love to, uh, remember back in the 70s, uh, you know, the, the wrestling craze that was on and tag team wrestling? Well, it was always two against one, so they were able to tag in and out. And I, I was always, you know, trying to tag someone, but it was my imaginary friend. And so they just kept beating me up, beating me up, beating me up. Well, so my conclusion was I need to get stronger. I need to have more strength in order to combat their, this onslaught of persecution. And so I, I would get the weights out and I would sit there and I would, I would pump iron, I'd get on the bench and do bench, you can tell it did a whole lot of good. But I felt I needed more physical strength in order to fight. And oftentimes when we think of strength and when it comes to spiritual matters, we think if we can only be stronger, if we, can, if we can only just grit our teeth a little bit more and push a little harder and work a little harder and do this, then we will be able to do what God's called us to do. But the strength that Paul's talking about here is not the strength that you and I would typically think of. Think of the kingdom of God and what is strong in the kingdom of God. What, what is the definition of strength in the kingdom of God? It's not a kingdom where physical strength is a core value. Rather, the kingdom of God is a, a kingdom with a set of values with Christ's power working in and through each and every person. His Holy Spirit indwelling within our hearts. That's the key ingredient in the kingdom of heaven. Take a look at Philippians chapter 4. There's a set of verses here that Paul writes to the church of Philippi and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. This is, this is Familiar section of scripture. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. We say it again, let, re, rejoice. Says, let your gentleness be evident to all. You're kind of going, huh, what? 
It'd be like me fighting with my brothers and them saying, hey, let your gentleness fight for you. And it's like, what? That's not physical strength, is it? He says, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and get this. And the peace of God, you're like, okay, you just talked about gentleness fighting for you? And now you're talking about the peace of God? This doesn't sound very strong, does it? But yeah, what does he say? The peace of God will guard your heart. The peace of God will guard your heart? It'll guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. This isn't a sword. This isn't physical might. This isn't a piece of armor. This isn't a gun. This This is the peace of God. This is strength in the kingdom of God. Your gentleness is strength in the kingdom of God. And you're going, what? It's a little different than what you and I think of. Peace of God guards. Look at Psalm 20. David knew this. In Psalm 20, he says, uh, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots. What does he say? I trust in the name of the Lord our God. There's strength. And what Paul is saying here to the church is, let the Holy Spirit strengthen you in a way that you can't conjure up or manufacture yourself. It's a different kind of strength. Third thing Paul talks about is God's power to assure. So to transform, to strengthen, to assure. And what he's talking about here is knowledge. This understanding, you know that you know that you know. There's some, some smart people here some smart people who know a lot about things that that I have no clue about. And there's some things that you just know that you know that you know that you know. Just because, why? Because you know. And what Paul is talking about here is this knowledge. There are students this week uh, here in Decatur that uh, were writing those state exams. And sorry to give you cold sweats, students, but it's over, okay? You don't, you know. What what was the, the testing for? It was to test the knowledge, the knowledge that you knew the material that you'd been taught, that you'd internalized it and were able to regurgitate it and, and answer the questions. Well, here Paul says in, in verse 17 of Ephesians 3, he says, and I pray that you may have the power together with all the saints to grasp, so students, to grasp the information here, he's saying to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And then verse 19, he uses this word, and to know it's the Greek word uh, gnosko, which is, is the word where, where we get gnostic or agnostic, the, the word knowledge. He says to know, to know, to know, to know that this love surpasses knowledge and that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You see, it's, it's a knowledge that doesn't come naturally. It's not looking into a book and studying a book. It's not, it's not acquiring all this information. It's knowing through the power of His Holy Spirit what is truly going on. What Paul is saying about this is to the church, is he's saying, in Christ, you will have an atypical glimpse into the supernatural realm. You will be able to take a look in behind what you can comprehend and know in this physical human realm. You'll be able to get beyond that and see what is real. You will have a perspective and an understanding that is other than here in this temporal realm. 
1 Corinthians 2 says, Paul says this to the church of Corinth. He says, no eye has seen and no ear has heard. No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. It's kind of other than what we can comprehend in our own self. But the Holy Spirit gives you that knowledge and gives you that assurance of what is going on. I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about maybe today, maybe this week. Just some of the, the, the curveballs that you need to navigate. Some of the, the, the twists and turns of your life that are difficult. Paul here is saying you can have the assurance of who God is. That He has is, called you. He has is, destined your life for great things even in the midst of some really difficult settings and situations. How is it that, that a Christ follower can go through extreme persecution, extreme difficulties, and still have the peace of God rule and reign in their hearts? How is it that, that a, a church in 1 Peter that we read about that is so persecuted that they are running for their lives, Christians are being burned at the stake, Christians are being martyred, and yet Paul said, or sorry, Peter says that, that in the midst of all of that hell that's raining down on them, they can experience incredible peace and assurance of who they are in Christ and what Christ has called them to. That's assurance. So whatever your life looks like, whatever your day looks like, whatever your week looks like, whatever situation seems to be bigger than you today, there's an assurance that you can have and it doesn't come in and from your own self or your own knowledge. It comes through the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. God's power to assure. In the midst of stress and worry and fear, the pressures of life, the trials that lie ahead, this is something that surpasses human knowledge and it gives us assurance. You know, it, it's kind of a crazy thing. I'm afraid of heights and yet I love to fly. It's one of those kind of weird things. But, um, you know, sometimes uh, you get on a flight and it's just smooth as silk and those are the best ones. It's still takeoff and landings. I, I kind of white knuckle it a bit, but it's all right. I, I've flown enough to know that uh, if I just hold my breath for a few minutes, I'll get there. But uh, there are some flights I've been on, though. Uh, one, we were coming back from the Caribbean one time and, and flying around. I think we made about three circles around the state of Florida while all these uh, uh, lightning storms and, and thunderstorms were rolling in. And, and it was bumpy. Like the turbulence and the, and the light goes on and it's like uh, we ask that all passengers find their seats and put their seatbelts on. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it's like, yes, please. Um, can I have another seatbelt? Can I have a, you know, <laughs> a blindfold or who knows what? But, but there are times where, where that, those planes are shaking. They're, they're jumping all over the sky. But somebody told me one time, when you're flying and you're going through turbulence, there's a great thing to do is look at the, the flight attendants. Hey, that's cool. So I do that now. And, I'm, and what's amazing, it's kind of humorous sometimes because I'm sitting there, I'm grabbing everyone around me, you know, and I'm grabbing Dana's hand and it's even worse because I'm grabbing Gabe's hand and, you know, I'm like, Gabe, I'm scared. No. <laughs> and he's going, dad, chill, dad, chill. And I'm like, no. But I'm, you know, I'm freaking out. 
Well, I look at the, the, the flight attendants, they're still serving drinks. This, you know, the thing's going up and down and they're pouring and hey, I'm just like, oh, okay, we're good, we're good, we're good, right? Well, it's that kind of assurance that we can have as we look to Christ and allow his Holy Spirit to fill us. It doesn't matter the turbulence in your life. It doesn't matter what turbulence you're facing today. It doesn't matter if the red light is going on. It's saying, sit down and fasten your seatbelts. You can have an assurance that God is in control and he has your best interest in mind. There's an assurance that you can have. Fourth thing, it's God's power to use you. God's power to use you. Talk about God transforming. God giving us strength, God giving us assurance, but what this is all about most of all is that God wants to use you in a powerful way. No matter your background, no matter your history, no matter where you're at today, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Like I said at the beginning, it's more than just making it through this day and checking the box. Whew, I'm still breathing and I'm still standing. No, God wants to use you powerfully. Look at verse 20 of, of Ephesians 3. <clears throat> this is a benediction that, that Paul prays over the church, and we've, we've prayed it over our church many times. It says, now to him who is able. Now to, to him, he is able, he is capable to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. There's that word again, his power, his dynamite. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, now and forevermore. Amen. He says, it's his power at work in you and his power at work through you. And, and here Paul gives a benediction. It's a blessing. And he says, God's power in you and God's power at work in your life, it's something that will have an effect. It can't not have an effect. You ever sat in a dentist's chair and maybe you needed some dental work done? What do they do? Uh, I'm just going to numb, numb the area a little bit. That's code word for they're going to get this three foot long uh, needle and like put it through your, your jaw till it comes out the other. No, not. Sorry. I just, I just have this, once again, this phobia of, and they just kind of bring it. I'm the guy, okay, hear me. I'm the guy who goes to give, give blood and I'm getting weak in the knees. Okay. So I can talk this way. So what happens? They put this, this medicine, they put this Novocaine in and they, they, they swab it with, I think it's lidocaine. They put it, whatever the canes are, but they, they put this needle in and then they, they put that medicine in. And what happens? Slowly you start to slur and your, your tongue feels like it, it has, it's coated and it kind of feels kind of interesting. And, and, but what happens? It has an effect. And then the, the dentist comes in and they got this little pokey prodi thing and they stick it into your gums and go, can you feel this? And like, no, I can't. Why? Because what they've put in there has had an effect. In the same way, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit at work in you will have an effect. It can't not have an effect. It will change your life. God's power to transform your life, 
But if we went row by row and, and, and heard stories, each and every one of us here who surrendered our lives to Christ, you'd say, just like Paul, this is who I used to be, and this is who I am now. Even for myself, I, I've quit saying it, but there was a time I, I, would, I was really proud and just saying, I'm a recovering legalist. I love rules and regulations. I love structure and I love this. And, and, you know, as time goes on, you just get convicted of saying, you know what? No, I'm a, I'm a new creation in Christ. But we could sit down I, and I could tell you where God has brought me from and where he's brought me to. Bitterness, anger, resentment, you name it. Each and every one of us would have a story of transformation. Power of God that assures us and strengthens us. The power of God to use us. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But you might be sitting here this morning and you go, okay, Darren, when I came to, to Christ and I surrendered my life to Christ, um, Scripture says that the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in me. Sits on the throne of my life and, and, and changes and transforms me. And I'd say, yeah, that's exactly right. But let me tell you, and some of you know this to be the case in your life. For some of you, this is, this is new. But you get reading in the Old Testament, or sorry, in the New Testament church. And there's evidence that there's a secondary experience and a secondary encounter with the person and work of the Holy Spirit. It's what Jesus talked about in Acts 1-8 where he says, and, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. This is what he was talking about. And, and we read in Acts 2 where the church was waiting and tarrying and the Holy Spirit came. And I like to explain it this way. It's like a, um, a, a gas appliance, uh, a water heater, or a, maybe a cooktop where you have a pilot light. When you surrender your life to Christ and you cross over that line of, of faith and invite Christ to be the leader and the forgiver of your life, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence. It's like a pilot light being turned on. That pilot light is burning and it, 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 there's light and there's, there's heat. But there's something that happens and, and it's consistent with what happens in the New Testament church in Acts 2 and beyond where the gas gets turned on. And all of a sudden, that pilot light goes from lit to woof, lit. It, it lights up and it ignites and, and it, there is there's heat and there's light and, and it has an effect. You look at the New Testament church, you look at those Christ followers there, and, and you've maybe met some people around you who there's just something about them that, that there's just this joy. You talk about Ty coming up here and, you know, man, full of the Holy Spirit. And you go, what? what's the difference? And that's, let me tell you, that's, simply put, that's the difference. Is saying, yes, Holy Spirit, would you come and fill me? Would you empower me? just like you did in the New Testament church. And you see, it's for a purpose. It's for effectiveness. It's for ministry. It's that we would be the people who God has called us to be, empowered. Here at Crossroads, we talk about engaged and empowered followers of Christ, that, that we want the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives.
That's why I'm, I want to encourage each of you to do this morning is to hunger after that, is to thirst after that, is to, is to say, yes, there's more. There's more to my life than just making it through today. And Holy Spirit, would you come and would you fill me just like turning on that gas that my life would burn bright for you. So I invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And just in the quietness of this moment, I want you to envision your life empowered by His Holy Spirit. Some of those things, those cravings and those inner desires that God has, has called you to that, that maybe, maybe the conversation that's gone on between you and God has been, oh Lord, I could never do that. I could never be that bold or I could never be that compassionate. I could never speak to that. I can never have that much faith. Well, I believe what God is wanting to say to you today is, you're right, you could never, but I can. And it's my Holy Spirit. You see, He, he said He'd give us a comforter, that, that he would never leave us to our own devices. He would never leave us alone, but he would give us his Holy Spirit to walk with us and to equip us for everything that we needed. And just in the quietness of this moment, if you would just open up your heart to him. It's something you'd like to do, just simply almost like we did earlier with your hands open, but... It, it's a posture of your heart, an open heart of saying, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, fill me. Just like the New Testament church waited in the upper room. Lord, I'm waiting here today. And I so desire to have the tools that I need to be the person that you've called me to be. So come Holy Spirit right now. Right now. Yeah, yeah come Lord. Come Lord. You know, this isn't something that we we do I just feel like the Holy Spirit's uh, leading us to a response of, of surrender you see I believe it comes to a point where we we say it's not about us it's not about our power it's not about our abilities it's not about our capabilities or our capacity but it's the Holy Spirit working in us and through us And I believe just as a, as a sign and as a symbol to surrender. I just feel Lord leading us to, to kneel. And uh, let me just say this. If, if you are, are unable to, you got bad knees or something like that, God knows that and don't feel like, um, like it's something that you have to do. And, and if you're here this morning and it's... it's, it's something you're not prepared to do, I don't want to uh, 
uh, coerce you or force you to do that. But some of you might want to kneel down right where you are. Some of you might want to come up to the front here. There's some carpet up here, some softer ground. and We're not going to rush away, but uh, if the work of the Holy Spirit in your life to a greater degree is something that you feel the Lord saying um, that He wants to do and you're, you're ready to receive that, I just invite you as, a, as an act of surrender just uh, right where you're at or up here at the front, just go down to your knees. Once again, if you're unable to or you're not ready to, I don't want to, we're not going to make this a point of embarrassment or anything. Maybe if you can't go down to your knees, you could just put your hands on your lap in an open position just as a, as a symbol of surrender. God, life is hard. Life is really hard, especially the desire we have to be people of God. Lord, it's so easy to to try and to attempt things on our own strength. Lord, we want to surrender to you. Lord, you, you promise us your power at work in us. You promise us your Holy Spirit. You promise us the assurance that even in the midst of the worst, most difficult situations and settings, we can experience your peace and your your comfort. Even when we feel utterly powerless, you give us strength. Even when we're powerless, to change ourselves or our situations. Lord, you you come and you transform us. You make us new. So Lord, we surrender to you, your Holy Spirit. We say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit.